Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this third episode on Bordeaux, the focus is on Cabernet Sauvignon and the wines which are made from that grape variety, although those wines are most often a blend, Cabernet Sauvignon being the base. And Cabernet Sauvignon makes some of the most prestigious wines, not just in Bordeaux, but in the world, and wines which have been hugely influential in the development of many wine regions around the world, such as Napa Valley, or regions in Chile, South Africa, and Australia, and also the Super Tuscans in Italy, so hugely influential as well as being prestigious and very expensive. And it's a great variety which is focused on the left bank of Bordeaux, so going down from the Medoc in the north, north of the city of Bordeaux, down to Grave, which is south of Bordeaux. And the reason it's focused on the left bank is because these, the soils here are gravel-based, and gravel is very important for Cabernet Sauvignon for two reasons. The first is that um, it's a warm soil, so it retains the heat, and that helps get uh, Cabernet Sauvignon ripe, because in this moderate maritime climate, Traditionally, getting Cabernet Sauvignon ripe was tricky, maybe a little easier now with climate change. Even so, it's an extreme climate for Cabernet Sauvignon, so those gravel soils um, help keep the environment around the vines warm to get the grapes ripe. At the same time, Cabernet Sauvignon is a high-vigor grape, and gravel is a free-draining soil. It doesn't retain the water, and so the vines have to uh, dig deep to get that water, and that difficult access to water contains the vigour of Cabernet Sauvignon, so it's a delicate uh, balancing act between getting the, the grapes ripe but not having too much vigour, and that's important, of course, because you don't want the energy going into the leaves rather than into the berries. And so the difficulty in getting Cabernet Sauvignon ripe is the reason why most Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines are blends on the left bank. Merlot ripens two weeks earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon, so it's an important uh, backup um, in difficult vintages. Also Cabernet Franc and some Petit Vidot as well. And then there's also Malbec and Carmenet. So those other grape varieties are important as backups, but also adding quality and complexity to the blend. So I discussed Merlot in the previous episode, so I won't go over that grape variety again, but it is an important part of the blend. And in fact, um, where the soils are less gravel-based, there may be more Merlot planted. So in certain regions in Grave and also the Medoc, Outside of the kind of classical um, small appellations, Merlot may be a major part of the blend, maybe over 50%. So still an important grape variety here. And what's important about both Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot is that growers and producers are much more aware of which soils and which um, parcels of land are more suited to Cabernet Sauvignon and which to, to Merlot. So the gravel-based soils for Cabernet and the clay limestone soils for Merlot. And that really produces higher quality wines with the correct grape varieties being planted in the correct place. And then the third most important is Cabernet Franc, which ripens in between Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. And this really adds some um, attractive perfumed aromas, red fruit aromas, and fine tannins to the blend, but generally not going to be more than 15% on the left bank because um, it's similar in its qualities to Cabernet Sauvignon, but Cabernet Sauvignon has more, more power to it, which is what we associate with the best wines of uh, the left bank in Bordeaux. Much less planted is Malbec, and this is a great variety which was widely planted in the 19th century, but in 1956 the, the frost killed the vines. It didn't just... Um, 
limit the harvest that killed them completely. So a lot of producers decided that Malbec wasn't worth the bother, and that's really when the transition to Merlot really went into full force. But Malbec uh, planted a little bit more now, uh, because better vineyard management, climate change, means that Malbec isn't quite as tricky to work with as it once was, but still, it's very rare to find it in the best wines of Bordeaux. But um, some producers are experimenting with it, and there's even a wine that's 100% Malbec made on the left bank. And this is going to be a black fruit, it's quite tannic, fresh acidity, and quite spicy. Then there's Petit Verdot, which does play an important role in some of the finest wines in Bordeaux. This is the later ripening grape than Cabernet Sauvignon, so not an easy one to work with in Bordeaux's climate. But again, vineyard management, climate change means that getting Petit Verdot ripe isn't as difficult as it once was, and this produces full, voluptuous, fruity, tannic wines, big wines. So it can really add a lot of power to a blend, even in small doses. And then of course there's also Carmenere, but this is very, very scarcely planted in Bordeaux, and isn't that high quality. I think there's about four hectares of plantings. The history of Cabernet Sauvignon, to return our focus to that great variety, only really came into play in the 18th century and then really developed in the 19th century. And before Phylloxera, plantings in Bordeaux were field blends, so you just have a, um, a vineyard full of different grape varieties uh, just randomly planted next to each other. And so you might have found Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc planted right next to each other in the same vineyard. And that's what created Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a natural crossing between Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. And it does have similarities with those grape varieties, the high vigour and the herbaceousness of Sauvignon Blanc, and then those um, perfumed aromas and tannins of Cabernet Franc. And as I mentioned, Cabernet Sauvignon generally planted on gravel soils throughout um, the left bank. Those, these gravel soils can change. And um, In the north, in Medoc, the gravel is generally uh, bigger than in Graft to the south, so the, 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 the size of the gravel reduces as you go further south, and so that does make a big difference in heat retention, and so that's why the wines of the north are generally more powerful and um, more intense than the wines of the south, because of those bigger gravel soils. And those gravel soils can be mixed in with clay and sand as well, so do find instances where it's almost pure gravel, but generally it's going to be a blend of different soils, but with gravel as the most important component. So these different soil types and location do make Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines differ according to the region. So with Bordeaux in general, we don't necessarily think about terroir, something more strongly associated with um, Burgundy. And that's because um, in Burgundy, the classification system is centred around the vineyards, so Grand Cru, Premier Cru, um, even Lourdes and Clima, it's all about the vineyard rather than the producer. Whereas in Bordeaux, the classification systems, and there's many of them, are associated with the producer. So the in, in the left bank, it's the, the first growths, the second growths, etc. in um, the Medoc, and also the Cru Classe in Pessac Lyonian, and then going across to Saint-Emilion, there's the, the Cru Classe system there as well. And all those are ranking the producer often by price rather than style and historic reputation. So the concept of terroir gets a little bit lost. Also, those producers generally make one or two wines. So a lot of these producers on the left bank will have a second wine, sometimes even a third wine, but that's about it. Whereas in Burgundy, producers are making often making lots of different wines from different vineyards to express the terroir of those different uh, locations. Whereas in Bordeaux, um, you've just got your the top wine and then maybe a second wine. And the top wine's generally called a Grand Van, though that's an unofficial terming and doesn't really mean that much, apart from the fact that the producer thinks it's their best wine. 
So for example, a producer like Latour, which is one of the first growths, it's a large property, and they could actually make a number of uh, really single vineyard, single parcel wines to um, reflect the different soil types, the different location locations on their property. And so they could make kind of their estate wine, and then they could make four single vineyard wines or single parcel wines. But they choose not to, partly because of um, the historic tradition, but it also means their wines are going to be very consistent from year to year as they can blend the different parcels together to create a consistent style. Important for in the market, but also important for um, in, in difficult vintages. They still have access to these different parcels. And it is easier to market one wine rather than several single parcel wines. So it is a, a commercial decision. But just a different reflection of terroir, that it's a blend of different grape varieties and of different plots to create one consistent wine. So quite a different concept from Burgundy. And indeed from many other regions um, in the New World, younger wine regions kind of follow the, the example of Burgundy or Bordeaux. But often it's actually a mixture of the two. So thinking of Napa Valley, a lot of producers produce their uh, um, Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, which maybe comes comes from different parts of the valley to create a consistent style, but then they may, might also do single vineyard Cabernet Sauvignons as well from different locations in Napa Valley, or single Appalachian or single AVA wines. So more of a Burgundian approach in that sense, so a bit of a combination of the two. So different ways of reflecting terroir. And the fact that Bordeaux uh, left bank Bordeaux is most often a blend, also kind of confuses that concept of terroir, different from Burgundy, which is Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. And that again can differ Bordeaux from other wine regions in the world that make Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines, where those wines might be 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, Cunoir in Australia. And again, in Napa, some producers follow the Bordeaux model of making it a blend, even though they don't have to, because getting Cabernet ripe in Napa is not a problem. Others will uh, make that 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, so stylistic choice. But Bordeaux, a huge influence on those regions in different ways. And so Bordeaux, a complex region to think about in terms of its blending, blending different varieties, different vineyards. It's not quite as precise as Burgundy is, but still, those wines are definitely reflecting where they come from. So let's look at the different appellations, uh, starting in the Medoc, which is the northernmost part of the left bank, so st stretching north from Bordeaux towards the Atlantic Ocean. And there are eight appellations in Medoc. 15% of Bordeaux's vineyards are located here, with 16,000 hectares of plantings and 100 million bottles a year are produced, which of which 50% are exported. And there are 600 chateaux here, so 600 producers, but 1,000 brands. So some of these producers will make more than one brand. And the Medoc, as I mentioned, stretching north of Bordeaux. The, the rivers Garonne and Dordogne meet at Margaux, which is the southernmost of the Medoc appellations, and then go into the Gironde estuary. And, that's, and that estuary is extremely important for the Medoc because the best vineyards are located near the estuary. And that's important, there's very small slopes rising up from the Gironde. These are called terraces. So the Medoc's pretty flat, it doesn't get very high at all, but there are still, but it's pretty still undulating. And so those slopes are important, partly for aspect, but also for drainage. As well. And so there'll be small streams flowing down the slopes into the Gironde, which um, aids the drainage, which is all important for Cabernet Sauvignon, as I already mentioned. Location of the vineyards near the uh, estuary is also important for frost, because the, the warmth of the water coming from the estuary stops the frost from settling. And so in frost-prone vintages, like 2017, some of these best vineyards actually escape 
frost, which is um, all important in a in this climate where frost can be a big issue. So no coincidence that those best vineyards are often located near to the estuary. So the Medoc is the um, all-encompassing appellation, which uh, lies between the Atlantic and the Gironde. And it is cooler here than other parts of Bordeaux, windy and rainy as well. And, but that wind does mean that frost is less of an issue. But in the Medoc in general, it's actually Merlot that works best because of the hard and soft limestone soils. So a mixture of different soils here. So if you get a Medoc AOC, it is likely that it's going to be Merlot-based. Then there's the O-Medoc, which is the, the lower part of the Medoc. And this is where you're going to find some of the most famous appellations, slightly higher up, and more gravel and better drainage, and therefore melt more Cabernet Sauvignon. So there are two small, lesser-known appellations which are further inland, Listrac and Muli. Again, these are more Merlot-based, so a little bit different from the more famous appellations. But with climate change and greater investment from outside, these wines are getting better and better. There's about 65 producers in each of these two appellations and traditionally um, half of those would go to co-ops but these days fewer and fewer producers are going to co-ops and actually making their own wine instead so again increase in quality and perhaps Listrac is the more interesting of these two appellations and it has a sandy and clay soil and this used to be a white center for white wine making and that is beginning to uh, return as I mentioned in the first episode Bordeaux used to be um, mostly white wine but now 90% red wine but white wine is beginning to um, come back and I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. But let's focus on the um, four most famous appellations in the Medoc. Start going from north to south. So starting with Saint Estefe, where there's just over 1,200 uh, hectares of plantings, which is 8% of the Medoc. There's about 74 producers here, 17 of which uh, go to the co-ops. So co-ops are still important, even in these famous appellations. And there's been a lot of change in Saint Estefe. 20% of the estates here have changed hands in the last 10 years. So there's a lot of investment occurring in Bordeaux, outward investment, which means there's a lot of money coming in, which does mean an increase in quality. There are no first growths in Santa Estefe, but there are some very famous um, second growths, which can be called super seconds. So these wines, which aren't classified as first growths, but rival them for quality and not sometimes for price too. And these include Montmonrose, Cos d'Estonel and Calanségur. Cos d'Estonel is across the stream from Lafitte Rothschild in Poyac and produces similar wines, strong, dark and powerful. Monrose is right next to the Gironde, so it's on a gravel mound, all important, intense and tannic, and also like Poyac a little bit. And then to the north is Calon Ségur, which is the most northerly of all the Cru Classé in the Medoc, and more, and more finesse to this, these wines. In general, in Santa Estefe, there's more clay in the soil, and as you move northwards, you get less and less gravel until you get to uh, the Medoc AOC itself, where there's very little gravel. And that amount of clay in the soil in Santa Estefe results in rustic tannins, traditionally. But producers are working to uh, smooth out the tannins through good drainage and getting the grapes um, a bit riper. But those clay soils, which are cooler than gravel, also mean that the wines of Santa Estefe are more restrained in hot years, like 2003 and 2010, and also that they have more acidity and uh, slightly less aromatic than the other wines of the um, famous Appalachians. And there are also some good Cru Bourgeois in Santa Estefe, Felin Segur, Depay, which is owned by Louis Rudra, um, Les Ormes Depay, which is owned by Lynch Barge, and also Chateau Maine. And then moving directly south to Poyac, which is right next to Santa Estefe, just over 1,200 plant hectares of plantings here, at 7% of the Medoc. And just out of interest, 
Defined parcels can be included in the Poyak appellation. So, for example, Lafitte Rothschild have a four and a half hectare parcel in Santa Estef. No surprise because it's right across the, the border. Uh, but they can include that in the Poyak appellation. If Lafitte Rothschild was ever bought by someone else, uh, that would not be allowed anymore. It's just an historical permission. There's one co op in Poyak, and, and 25 of the 54 producers do contribute to the co op. But Poyak is really famous for its high quality wines. There are 18 Cru Classe, three first growths, and, 11, and going all the way to 11 fifth growths. So the three first growths are Lafitte Rothschild, Latour, and Mouton Rothschild. Uh, so Lafitte is to the north, bordering Santa Steph, whereas Latour is to the south, bordering Saint Julien. And Lafitte is pretty big, 112 hectares, giving an idea of the size of these properties. And they produce smooth and elegant wines. Uh, Latour is more emphatic, firm, but also very consistent whereas Mouton Rothschild is big, dark, and exotic. A very good second growth is Pichon Baron, which is owned by AXA, the French insurance company. Then there's Lynch Barge, which is actually a fifth growth, but really punches above its weight, and that's a rich, spicy uh, style of wine. A lot of gravel soil here, so it's 62% Cabernet Sauvignon, and then 32% Mer Merlot. So just giving an idea of a, a typical blend in these high-quality appellations, still only 60 to 70% Cabernet Sauvignon. And the highest part of Poyac is 30 metres, which is actually quite high for these appellations, almost a hill. And that's partly owned by Mouton Rothschild and Ponte Canet, which is another very good producer. And in general, in Poyac, the estates are quite large, um, as I mentioned with Lafitte having 112 hectares, which means the land is less divided. So you can really have that blended expression of um, Bordeaux's terroir. Then directly to the south of Poyac is Saint-Julien, which is 910 hectares, about 6% of Medoc. 19 producers, but 11 crew classe, so really um, emphasis on consistency and quality in Saint-Julien. And varying sizes of estate here, Lagrange, which is owned by Suntory, is at 118 hectares, whereas Fleur Lager, which is a crew artisan, is just 9 hectares. And this is 65% Cabernet Sauvignon, so again, lots of gravel soils here, and 27% Merlot. There are no first growths here, but there are five second growths, and 90% of the vines are owned by uh, growths. And there's two different sections to Saint-Julien. Uh, for example, there are vines which are close to the river. So there are riverside estates like Lyovold-Lascas, Lyovold-Barton, and Lyovold-Poifare. And then there are southern estates which are on um, gentle slopes like Béchevel, Brenard, Ducru, Ducru, and Ducru-Beaucaillou. And then there's Lagrange, which is slightly further inland. And generally these wines from Saint-Julien are austere when young, but then really open up to become quite gentle, and they're very consistent. A transition between the power of Poyac and the refinement of Margot. And so Margot is further south, it's a little separate from these three other appellations, but larger, 1,500 hectares, 9% of Medoc. And this is the only appellation which has... Um, all six terraces. There are six different terraces, those slopes rising up from the um, estuary, and Margot has all six. Generally it's the third and fourth terraces which are considered to be the best. And there are 67 producers here. Margot is the only appellation to have a, a crew classe at every level. One first growth, which is Chateau Margot itself, and then some other very good producers like Chateau Palmer, Lascombe, and Rosanne Segler. The gravel here is finer, uh, thin soil, and a lot less clay as well, so producing very delicate, perfumed wines. And then moving away from the Medoc to south of Bordeaux. 
to the region of Grave and then the smaller appellation of Pesac Leonium. Pesac Leonium itself is where the first vines were planted in Bordeaux by the Romans, so nearly 2,000 years ago. And then Grave stretches further south, going all the way to Sauterne and the sweet wine production of Bordeaux, which I'll talk about in the fifth episode of this um, series on Bordeaux. So Grave was the first region to kind of have its own name, to be known as something different from Bordeaux, referring to the gravel soils. Gravel here is smaller than the Medoc, and so the soil is cooler, producing less powerful wines, and Cabernet Sauvignon doesn't always ripen here because of that. And so it's actually a 55% of plantings are Merlot, 34% Cabernet Sauvignon. So a lot more Merlot than the Medoc. It has been playing catch-up to the Medoc since 1855, so when Medoc came up with its classification system, it really created um, a hierarchy and identified Medoc as being the most prestigious region in Bordeaux, even though Grave has a much longer history of wine production. Uh, so it created its own classification in 1953, and then revises in 1959, but that really hurts Grave because all the crew classé were located in Pesac Leonian. Pesac Leonian had its own appellation created in 1987 because of that recognition that the best wine of the Grave was produced there. And again, that has really consolidated Pesac Leonian's position as being a really high quality wine region and left Grave a little bit behind. So there can be some very good value wine found in Grave, but where all the prestige and money is, is Pesac Leonian. And Pesac Leonian has much more gravel in its soil, as well as clay and sand, and like the Medoc, there are slopes and streams providing the drainage, which is why um, there's really high-quality Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines produced here. And the price of the wine and the land in Pesac Leonian has just gone up and up. It's one of the most expensive appellations in Bordeaux. And there are some notable producers here. Aubryon is um, a crew classé in Pesac Leonian. It's also a premier crew classé in the Medoc rankings. It's the only uh, chateau on the left bank to have both classifications. But then there are some other very good um, crew classé. Right across the road from Aubryon is Mission Aubryon. There's also Pape Clamon, Malartic La Graviere, and Smith Haute-Lefitte. Uh, Lefitte spelt with two T's as opposed to Lefitte Rothschild with one T. So Pesac Leonian is really the first region to emphasise um, the luxury of Bordeaux with Aubryon in the 1660s. And then since 1987 and the creation of the Appalachian system, its um, reputation has just gone up and up. And a big transition from white wine production to red wine production as well, echoing that of the rest of Bordeaux. But in the next episode, we will talk about the dry white wines of Bordeaux, which will of course include Pesac Leonian because they are the best. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.